Welcome to Faster Please, the podcast. I'm your host, Jim Pethokoukas. Several times a month, I'll feature a lively conversation with a fascinating and provocative guest about how to make the world a better place through scientific discovery, technological innovation, and economic growth. You're also going to want to check out my Faster Please newsletter here on Substack throughout the week for fresh essays, Q&As, and stories from around the internet and around the world. When it comes to pro-progress thinking, there's no better litmus test than nuclear power. Setting aside the regulatory barriers we impose on ourselves, America can tap a source of clean, reliable energy that overcomes the carbon emissions and geopolitical challenges of fossil fuels. Here to make the case for nuclear in this episode of Faster Please, the podcast, is Robert Zucker. Robert is a nuclear engineer and author of the new book, The Case for Nukes, How We Can Beat Global Warming and Create a Free, Open, and Magnificent Future. Robert, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Were it not for climate concerns, would there still be a case for nukes or would you be writing the case for carbon instead? Uh, no, there still would be a case for nukes. Uh, the primary case for nukes is to expand humanity's energy resources. Um, regardless of climate change, we have an imperative to make uh, energy more uh, cheap and available. Um, the primary problem in the world today is poverty. Um, you know, we have poverty in America, but in America, the average per capita income is $50,000 a year. Globally, the average is $10,000 a year. And half of the world is below average. So the, uh, the, the existence of poverty uh, in the world is, is quite prevalent and that uh, stifles uh, people's lives, it kills people. People die of diseases uh, that could easily be cured, uh, that they don't get educations, that, uh, that, that they suffer from malnutrition, they suffer from lack of opportunity. This is the thing that needs to be answered. So we need to increase the availability of energy uh, to put the whole world on an American standard of living, which once again, we still even have poverty here. We'd have to increase world energy uh, five times and fossil fuels cannot support that. Um, so regardless of the uh, issue of climate change or carbon um, enrichment of the atmosphere, uh, we need more energy. Uh, and secondly, we need the energy to come from freedom, not from possession. It needs to come from the power of creation. Uh, a major problem with fossil fuels is it puts a lot of global power in the hands of people uh, who just simply have it by force of possession, not through creativity. It gives wealth to those who take it rather than those who make it. So for example, uh, the OPEC oil cartel could, as it did in 2008, constrict the world's energy supply uh, below what it needs and send the price of oil up to $150 a barrel and cause a massive worldwide uh, economic dislocation as a result. Um, the, that's even a potential threat right now. Uh, whereas, see, nuclear power, it, it, it fundamentally comes from 
mind. That is, it, it is the result of technological creativity, turning something that is not a resource into a resource and a, an incredibly abundant resource. So it moves power where it needs to be into the hands of the creative, which is to say in the hands of the free. All right. Well, um, let me uh, let me continue on the theme from that first question. Uh, why isn't it the case for solar? I know that solar prices seem to have come way, way down in recent years. Uh, why not? Why not that as the thrust uh, of your book? Well, the, the problem is this, that um, solar energy and in this, I would also add wind as well, are intermittent energy sources. They are not uh, reliable sources of power with which to uh, uh, power an industrial civilization. They are useful boutique energy sources. Uh, wind power has had a major role in the development of human civilization by powering ships. Worldwide commerce was enabled by putting wind to work as a classic example of off-grid power. Solar energy is predominant in space, once again, way off-grid. Uh, but if we're talking about the production of energy at scale uh, in a reliable way to power industrial society, they simply do not cut it. Does solar not cut it even if we figure out new ways and better ways of storing that storing that energy? That that sounds like it's doable. It sounds like it's doable. We just need better batteries and ways of storing that solar energy for when it's cloudy out. Well, uh, there's a couple of problems there. First of all, the amount of solar energy to power uh, Manhattan uh, would cover, you know, most of Long Island yeah. and the uh, and try buying Long Island to put uh, the solar energy capacity there. And then you have the problem of storage and the problem with storage. OK, first of all, the problem with storage uh, on a planned basis that is just storing for a night is bad enough. And it um, basically increases the cost of a solar installation by like a factor of five just to do that. Um, but the what if it's cloudy for three days going? What if there's this thing called winter that happens? Uh, and which it does. And so um, where solar energy can be inadequate for months on it, having the capacity to deal with that is, is simply not possible. So in fact, solar energy uh, power systems have to be 100% backed up by reliable sources of power, which is to say either fossil fuels, nuclear or hydroelectric. Why did the atomic age end? Do we know we do we understand the culprits and do we understand who the murderer was? Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I do. Um, okay, first of all, nuclear power um, in the 60s was so much cheaper than fossil fuel power that in the early 70s, we were getting orders in the United States for two new nuclear power plants per month. That's how fast it was coming online. And in fact, it caused alarm uh, in the um, oil interests um, who uh, very early on, in fact, they tried to stop Rickover from introducing the nuclear submarine. And then they tried to uh, 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 this, uh, Exxon and Atlantic Richfield both gave very large grants to the Sierra Club to go after nuclear power. Uh, and uh in fact, uh, part of their fear was justified because after the oil price went up in 73, 74, uh, the nuclear power actually cleaned the lunch of uh, oil fired uh, electricity in the United States. In, in, in 1972, 
Uh, 3% of American electricity was nuclear, 20% was oil. Now it's 3% oil, 20% nuclear. Okay, the, but uh, the, the bigger problem wasn't, uh, I mean, oil, of course, maintained its premier position as transportation fuel. Uh, there, it uh, couldn't be dislodged. It has unique advantages uh, in that realm. The, the, but what happened was uh, in the late 60s and uh, early 70s, there was an ideological offensive launched by uh, uh, the Malthusians. Um, you may remember two very important books from that period. One was called The Population Bomb by Paul Ehrlich, and another was called The Limits to Growth by the Club of Rome. Uh, that's 68 to 72. Um, and they, uh, these were two, and then there were many less uh, popular works, but th they all said, look, we're running out of everything. We have to stop economic growth and population growth. And the, this was a very powerful ideological offensive, uh, except for, uh, you may remember Julian Simon, who was an economist, who said the Club of Rome was absolute nonsense, that we weren't going to run out of everything by, or anything by the year 2000. Um, but he was regarded by mainstream media as some Neanderthal from the Chamber of Commerce, you know, and the, 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 um, and if you look at the Sierra Club's uh, statement when they finally came out definitively against nuclear power, which was in 1974, uh, what they said was, we need to oppose nuclear power because it could encourage unnecessary economic growth. Okay. And then they went on to say, we can um, do this. We can stop them by stopping the establishment of any way for them to dispose of the waste. Okay, and so they targeted uh, nuclear waste disposal as a key weakness of uh, nuclear power. In other words, and at that time, there were proposals in the works to just dispose of it by subsea disposal, which is easy to do. And when they got that blocked, when Jimmy Carter blocked that, um, they then and opted instead for a much more elaborate program of storing the waste under a mountain in Nevada. They then campaigned against that. And you know, it, it baffles the mind how someone who claims to care about health and the environment to say it's better to store nuclear waste in nuclear power plants in the suburbs of major cities than under a mountain in Nevada. And, and yet they did. Okay. So, and when they say there's no solution to nuclear waste disposal, there certainly is a technical solution. The, the, the nuclear Navy stores nuclear waste in salt domes in New Mexico. They, they just don't have to put up with any of this stuff, but they managed to stop the commercial nuclear waste from safely disposing of its waste and then saying, hey, there's no way to dispose of the waste. And they have collaborators in the Department of Energy and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. I mean, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, if the FAA was run like the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, we would have no airplanes, okay? Because if you have a, a totally hostile regulatory structure, you can destroy any industry. Can you think of particular regulations, perhaps, um, that that you think played a, a a key a key role, or is it just broader than that? Well, the regulation certainly has been. If it, I was asked to uh, name one thing um, to um, 
is, is the big problem and which needs to be corrected if we're going to have a nuclear renaissance. It's the regulatory structure that was put in place by the Carter administration, which, by the way, was infested massively with members of the U.S. Committee for the Club of Rome. They established this uh, regulatory structure. And I, in the book, The Case for Nukes, I show the flow chart of what you have to do to get a nuclear power plant licensed in the United States. And it looks like a map of the New York subway system. <laughs> uh, right. the, 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 you know, with a million stops and the, the intersections in this way and that way. And guess what? Each of those subway stops themselves uh, involves a, a, another subway map inside of it. And some of these are really ridiculous. Like one of the subway stops, just one, is the Environmental Protection Agency, which is it's part of the stop will, among many other things, demand to know uh, and, and have proof to its satisfaction that the utility should build a nuclear power plant as opposed to a coal fire power plant or a gas fire plant or no plant at all. I mean, imagine if you had some land and you wanted to build a, a log cabin on it. And so you go to the municipal authorities, they want to build a log cabin on this. And they ask you not just for your plans to show that it's going to be a safe building, but to prove that it shouldn't be a chalet or a Cape Cod right. or a brick house or a gas station or a pet cemetery or a zoo or, you know, anything else. And, 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 and then imagine that you actually do show that to the satisfaction of the authorities involved. But then there's now an opportunity for people who hate you to intervene in court to contest that approval. OK, and now you have to go to court and prove to a judge and a jury that this, in fact, was the correct decision by the mayor. And and if that court approves you, they can then appeal. That's what this is like. And, you know, yesterday. OK, we had a nuclear power plant go online in Georgia. Right. OK. It took 14 years to build it. Our first nuclear power plant in Shippingport, Pennsylvania, took three years to build that is the amount of time it takes to build a nuclear power plant has increased by a factor of five. And this is not because they've become more complicated. It's because the legal process become vastly more complicated. And if you look at the data as the time it has taken to build a nuclear power plant has increased, the cost has increased as the time squared. And once again, I show this in the book and it, it actually follows this curve because it's not even just linear where you have to pay people for longer periods of time. You're paying all these workers to hang around doing nothing instead of putting things together. You're paying more expensive kinds of people. But lawyers cost a lot more than plumbers. And the, the, the and you're paying for more and more lawyers as this thing drags on and becomes a bigger and bigger and more complex deal. So this is what has stopped nuclear power in the United States. The, the time to construct a nuclear plant should have gone down with experience, not been quintupled. Currently, and this is a number that's sort of holding steady, we get about 20% of our power generation from nuclear. What is the counterfactual? What is sort of the right number if the ideological war had not happened and and all those nuclear plants, those two nuclear plants a year that kept happening. What does our energy mix look like today, do you think? Well, uh, in France today, it is 75% nuclear and 10% hydroelectric. Uh, so it's only 15% fossil fuels. Okay, you know, here you have France, okay, under the leadership of Charles de Gaulle, 
Okay, he put together kind of a labor industry alliance for growth that included both the Gaullists and even the communists, the trade union, who had a trade union. Uh, uh, this is jobs. This is what we want. And they did it. And it's 75 percent nuclear. Meantime, here's Germany. Okay, with this massive Green Party, as well as green ideology infecting the social Democrats and even the Christian Democrats and the rest, shutting down their nuclear power plants. Germany's carbon emissions per unit power is five times that of France. Five times. There is the green Germany. Uh, and, and it's even worse than that because a lot of Germany's power comes from biomass. And you have this romanticism of we're getting our power from the forest. Yeah, you're getting your far power by killing trees and the animals that live in the trees. Uh, so how's that being a friend of nature? Okay, the, the way to be a friend of nature is to get your power from things that aren't involved with uh, the natural biosphere. Okay, you know, the, the person who saved the whales was Rockefeller by switching us from whale oil to, to petroleum. And it, because petroleum has much less involvement with the biosphere than the whales do. And the, the, and if you'll have even less involvement with the biosphere if you switch from fossil fuels to nuclear. How do we get that 20% up to 75%. Well, there needs to be fundamentally a societal decision. Okay. Now, one thing that very oddly that it works in our favor here is that the Malthusians have oversold the case on global warming. Okay. Global warming is real. Um, world temperatures have gone up one degree centigrade since 1870, and that that's true. So uh, I, I don't dispute that for a minute. I dispute the fact that that is a great cause for alarm, but it's true. Uh, but they have nevertheless managed to alarm people greatly because they are trying to use global warming as um, a rationale for rigging up energy prices, um, which is basically an extremely regressive tax. Okay, the carbon taxes are just about the most regressive sales tax you can have because they, 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 they don't even tax on the basis of price. They tax on the basis of mass. Okay, and you know, uh, a, a cheap cut of meat involves the same amount of carbon emissions as an expensive one. And, and a cheap dress involves the same amount of, of carbon as an expensive dress. Uh, the, the, so the, even though one might, price 10 times above the other the, the the okay they've oversold this they actually got a lot of people alarmed. oh my god this is an existential problem we have to stop carbon emissions and if those people if their primary concern actually is carbon emissions a lot of them are saying well then why not nuclear okay so you actually have at this point uh, a significant faction in the democratic party um, and they have an organization called the Third Way. Uh, Cory Booker is uh, a member of this faction uh, who say, well, we should have nuclear power because there's an existential problem of climate change. In other words, they actually believe this. So this is the solution. Now, the hardcore, they hate nuclear power because it would solve a problem they need to have. Okay, But th these other people actually want to solve the problem. So there's some leverage there. Um, now, the Biden administration, though, has responded to this uh, faction in only limited way. Um, they have allocated some money to develop more advanced types of nuclear reactors. And um, 
so that's good that you know the nuclear reactors we have now are essentially um the same thing that rickover invented in the 1950s to power the nautilus and the shipping port plant right. now I, I don't think that that's a fundamental design flaw okay pressurized water reactors which is the kind of which is just the rickover reactor and which is like 90 percent of all reactors if you include the mild variations of it that they're out there um it's a very good design it is inherently safe it cannot have a runaway nuclear reaction because the water that is the coolant is also necessary to sustain the nuclear reactor and in the book i explain the physics of that um the the so it's impossible and there's been over a thousand pressurized water reactors on land or sea over the past 60 years and not a single person has ever been hurt from a radiological release from one of them but that said it's possible to have more advanced designs that'd be cheaper that'd be more efficient uh, be, uh, I hear a lot about that, these small modular reactors. Yeah, that's a good one. The small modular reactors are pressurized water reactors, but it's a different kind of design where they design them to be built small so they can be built in modules and factories and literally just assembled on, on site. So it's not really a construction problem. It's a more like bring a bunch of things to a place and hook them together kind of uh, project. And so that offers the chance to uh, make them cheaper, faster to build, and also to address markets, not just of big cities, but maybe of towns of 100,000, 200,000, this kind of thing um, all over the world. Um, that's one. There's also uh, breeder reactors, um, you know, which have the capability of getting, you know, 90% of the energy out of nuclear fuel instead of 1%, which is all a pressurized water reactor does. Um, the thorium reactors, which cheaper fuel, um, other things like this. I'm all for these things. But we, but we can't have that conversation if if fundamentally there's this huge division about whether we should do do it at all. Correct. And in fact, if this regulatory structure remains in place, okay, we won't have them because it's going to be even harder to get a new kind of reactor licensed than to get another reactor of a kind that people are very familiar with. Okay, so th there needs to be a fundamental uh, overhaul of the entire regulatory structure. It, 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 I mean, you shouldn't have a situation where whether you conduct your business should uh, it, that should, number one, be between you and the authorities. The, the interveners from hostile interests should not be allowed to take part in that process um, at all. Okay, the the the. And the regulatory structure itself has to be greatly streamlined and made to operate within the law. By law, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is supposed to approve plants within two years of the application. They regularly take five years, and then there's a whole bunch of agencies that take more time. And so, once again, this argument that nuclear power is too expensive is a fiction. Any industry can be made too expensive if there are regulators making it too expensive. There seem to be some things coming together which would make one optimistic uh, about the future of nuclear. Are you an optimist or? I'm fundamentally, or not so much? <laughs> I'm, I'm fundamentally an optimist. Um, do you know, you know, Winston Churchill once said Americans will always do the right thing uh, after they have exhausted all the alternatives. And um, so we're getting there uh the the we we're exhausting the alternatives we we fell for this bunk about uh you don't really need energy or 
your energy, you can get it from windmills um, and that this somehow would be a, a much better way to do it um, or, or anything of this sort. Uh, so this is clearly the best answer. Let me give you an idea of how much energy we're actually talking about here. Okay. You know, the nuclear reactors, um, they, um, we get the fuel from uranium ore, which is several percent uranium. Uh, but if you aren't interested in just getting it from ore and you're just looking around for the uranium, granite, ordinary granite that you see, buildings are built out of it, mountains are built out of it, is two parts per million uranium and eight parts per million thorium. And if you converted that to energy, uh, a block of granite would have a hundred times the energy of an equal mass of oil. So you go through New Hampshire somewhere and you see these huge granite mountains, you're looking at mountains of energy. You're right. talking about more energy in one of those mountains than all the oil of Saudi Arabia. Okay, Th that's how much energy. And then if we talk about going the next step, which is diffusion, yeah. then one gallon of water has as much energy in fusion as 350 gallons of gasoline. Um, so we're, we're talking about completely unlimiting the human future and the waste from it. In other words, the ironic thing about making an issue of nuclear waste is that it's the only energy source in which you actually can dispose of the waste. That is, the, the, the waste from coal fire power plants, it'd be impossible to, to sequester it because it's, it's literally millions of times greater in volume for a given amount of energy than uh, nuclear power. Um, so, um, you know, we could easily sequester the waste. Um, and of course, with more efficient reactors, we could actually use a lot of that waste. Um, the, the, so, so there's that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's simply the right answer and um, it's being blocked by people who want there to be a limit to resources. They, 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 it's a preference of sorts. It's an well, ideological preference. It's a problem for people who want to ha assert that human activities, numbers, and liberties must be fundamentally constrained because there isn't enough to go around. Okay, well, let me uh, let me build off that by asking a final question, which is: you dedicate the book to the Prometheans. Yeah. Uh, who, are, who are the Prometheans? The Prometheans are the problem solvers. And, and by the way, in this book, uh, there's a lot of history in this book. I, I, I talk about how we got to nuclear power. And because this was a, a, there's a human story here um, that goes, you know, from Einstein and Marie Curie, and Lisa Meyer, Fermi, and, and all of this, and Rickover, and what they had to overcome to make this happen. And, and now, by the way, we do have a new generation of entrepreneurial uh, people. Uh, there's a whole bunch of entrepreneurial startups in both the fission and fusion area right now um, who are attempting to continue this revolution uh, by introducing uh, even superior types of nuclear reactors. And these people have guts. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to go into the nuclear business right now um, The because you know you, there's you're going to have a fight on your hands. Uh, but I think it's the right answer. And I, I think, you know, reason carries a stick. Uh, and um, so I think ultimately uh, the rational will prevail. All right. From one Promethean to another. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>